Hello and welcome to another episode of the Engineers Collective, brought to you from the safety of lockdown here in the UK. As the country begins to get back to work over the next few weeks and months, we continue to send the entire civil engineering sector our best wishes in these strange and unprecedented times. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems. Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to accelerate project delivery and improve asset performance for the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer and I'm joined by our news editor Rob Horgan as we talk through the latest developments in the world of civil engineering. So we're into the fifth month of working from home and generally it's been okay. We've put the issue to press with no problems, I've hosted online webinars and we've even found a solution to record the Engineers Collective remotely without impacting too much on sound quality. But working from home when your family's about isn't it always easy though, is it? No, not not all the time. For, for most of the part, it's been okay. Um, I've been moved up to the shed come summer house at the end of the garden uh, to... I'm not sure if I'm escaping my four-year-old baby or if my four-year-old baby and partner have escaped me. Um, four-year-old baby? Not four-year-old, four-month-old baby, sorry. See, working from home is getting to you. It is a bit. Either working from home or lack of sleep, I'm not sure what it is. But um, yeah, it's been um, different challenges, different days. Squirrels running on the roof. We've got a primary school behind me who've had their end-of-year concert today, so... I've heard Seven Nation Army five times uh, this afternoon, and uh, but that seems to be over now, so we're all, we're all good. That's great. I'm lucky my son's at nursery today, but my cat's having noisy meowing day, so apologies if you can hear her. But the government has changed its guidance on, easy, on lockdown, and from the 1st of August, it's down to employers and employees to decide where they work. And more importantly for the transportation sector, the government has removed its call to only use public transport for vital journeys. Yep, it'll it'll be interesting to see whether people continue to work remotely and also how they travel and when they do and and how often people will be expected to go back into the office now. I must admit, the cynic in me thinks the government's only changed its guidance on public transport as it's due to hand back the rail franchises that took over at the start of the pandemic in September. I mean, effectively, they nationalised the railway during lockdown, but that's not viable long term. But also those franchises are not viable without passenger numbers going back up, which obviously they need to do from the 1st of August. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on those passenger numbers and and see how they do increase. Um, I mean, just from speaking to people in the industry, it seems that if you can work from home, a lot of people are still sticking to that. And um, I doubt we'll we'll see the numbers of passengers that we saw pre-coronavirus, well, any time this year really. So what else has been going on in the last few weeks? Uh, roads seem to be dominating the news agenda at the moment, um, in particular schemes under the RIS2 uh, funding envelope. Um, I think we spoke about it on last episode of the Engineers Collective, but there's this this uh, legal challenge against the DFT and their £27 billion roads building plan. Um, and uh, they, they've responded to that now, um, in which they pretty much dismissed the claim outright. Um, and they leaned on the, the high-profile HS2 versus Chris Packham case, um, which came, came down on the side of HS2 and the DFT, um, and they've used that in their argument to, 
to state that their RIS2 plans don't need to include the uh, the Paris climate change um, agreement. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how the how the judge rules on that. Expecting a ruling at some point in the next few weeks, um, and whether that whether that proceeds to a judicial review or not. Um, so yeah. But that could have a major impact on some of the projects planned to be delivered under RIS two, couldn't it? Yeah, for sure. The, the highest two profile projects are, are the Lower Thames Crossing and the, and the Stonehenge Tunnel. Uh, the Lower Thames Crossing has just announced further consultations um, and the decision on the Stonehenge has been pushed back again until November this year. Yeah, the delay on Stonehenge relates to the discovery of more archaeology, doesn't it? And they, they need more time to look at the implications of the fines for the scheme. Do you think that project will ever go ahead? Yeah, you're right. It's to do with the archaeology. Um, I don't fully understand how they've discovered it, but they've discovered some these massive holes uh, that sort of form a big circle when you look at them from from above. Um, so, yeah, I think there's more archaeology work to be done there. And um, you're right to say, will it ever get the go-ahead? I don't know. I mean, it's pushed back. Was this the second or third time now? I can't remember. Well, the decision was delayed this year to July, and then the opening date has already been pushed back to 2027. You've got to wonder now whether it's going to move back to 2028 or even further with a four-month delay, to, another four-month delay to the planning decision. Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what decision is made in November or whether they push it back again then because, I mean, the scheme seems to have plenty of people who don't want it to go ahead um, and they're all very vocal and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where it goes from here. But it's not, not the only project that's had planning decisions delayed recently, is it? No, there's been a whole host of planning decisions, um, both from the transport department and the business department as well, and and the communities department um, within government all seem to be sort of stalling on on making decisions on what projects to go ahead. Sort of energy projects in particular seem to have suffered of late. Um, there's been a few nuclear projects that have had their decisions delayed and. And now there's the mounting tension with China and there's some, some corners calling for schemes such as, as Bradwell B in, in Essex to sort of be paused as they're, they're backed by Chinese uh, money, effectively. Yeah, yeah, energy does seem to be affected because the decision on Hornsey 3 offshore wind farms also recently been delayed. The announcement from the planning inspector that came through about the delay suggested that Secretary of State for Bays, Alok Sharma, is set to give the go-ahead for the scheme in December despite the delay. The project developer, Ersted, has said it's confident the issues can be addressed to get the 2.4 gigawatt wind farm underway. But the Royal Society for Protection of Birds has said it doesn't actually believe the problems can be overcome. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's sort of ironic in a way that this sort of renewable energy project is being sort of paused due to environmental concerns. And, and that's similar with what's, you know, we've seen other projects and the sort of latest uh, issues around the Swansea Bay Tidal Lagoon as well as another renewable energy scheme, which has faced the uh, problems of getting getting through the planning stages. And um well, uh, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there right now. There's um, their planning consents were due to come to an end at the end of June. Then there was a, there was a bit of confusion about whether those would be extended due to the measures outlined by uh, Community Secretary Robert Jenrick in terms of extending planning consents. But then that proved to be to be a, a non-starter for them. 
And then on the day that the consent actually ran out, they started work without they were missing a final uh, consent that they needed Bayes to sign off on, which they never got. So they, they started work anyway, um, which they claimed meant that they'd, uh, they'd saved the scheme from running out of time. However, the, both Bayes and the, the Swansea Council have both, both taken legal advice and are suggesting that, that the, the developers may have broken planning regulations by starting work there. So, I mean, time will only tell what happens there, but it looks like a another row uh, to rumble on. Yeah, that one seems to give us lots of coverage, lots of news anyway. Well, it's really good to see that there's real integrity in the planning process and the documents on the delay from the planning inspector add quite a bit of transparency to the process. It really doesn't help the civil engineering industry, though, does it? Because they just want to get on with delivering the work. And that's what they really need in order to recover from the impact of coronavirus and have confidence in their workloads, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's been lots of uh, government announcements about an infrastructure revolution, but at the end of the day, if there's no projects to start on, then uh, companies are, are going to have to reduce their headcount in, in time being. We've seen, we've seen job losses now at, well, pretty much everywhere from Mace and Kelpray to Arup uh, more recently. And um, I, I would expect more more job losses to be announced in the coming months, but hopefully not too many. Yeah, it just feels like the £37 billion procurement pipeline that was announced by the Infrastructure Projects Authority in June just isn't going to come quickly enough for the industry, does it? No, exactly. That's it. And there was... Um, Robert Jenrick called for a, a list of shovel-ready projects from, from every council uh, and every local authority... Um, in the country and we're yet to really see which schemes have been backed as part of that still and and they're not even publishing the list of schemes that that were put to them so there's a lot of there's a lot of talk at the moment and now what the industry really needs to see is some some action I mean, projects are already underway are feeling the impact of coronavirus too. Um, earlier this year, one of our reporters went up to Pooley Bridge in Cumbria to report on the construction of the UK's first stainless steel bridge, which was designed to replace the stone bridge damaged by Storm Desmond in 2015. That was originally expected to be opened in June, and I was up there last week on holiday, and the deck hasn't even been cast yet. So I doubt that bridge will be open till autumn at the least. And that's not the only project like that, is it, that's been delayed? No, it's, it's, and, and there's projects much bigger than that bridge as well that, um, that have been affected. I mean, we've already seen Crossrail announce that there's probably going to be a, a somewhat of a delay to their to project timeline, although they've yet to announce exactly what that is. Similar thing at Bank Station as well. And uh, just, just this month, we've had um, Tideway's annual report in which... I actually thought this was quite sensible. They've they've outlined three scenarios in in what the impact of coronavirus might be. Um, the worst of which would be a nine hundred uh, sorry a nine hundred million pound yeah that's right isn't it nine hundred million pound uh, cost increase on the overall program plus I think it was a a quarter delay or a three month delay however you want to look at it. Um, I actually called up with Tideway CEO Andy Mitchell earlier about the impact coronavirus is having on the delivery of work, as well as how they have adapted their approach to safety and well-being in response to the pandemic. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems. 
Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to accelerate project delivery and improve asset performance for the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure. Joining us today is Tideway Chief Executive Andy Mitchell. Andy has been with Tideway full-time since summer 2014 and has overseen the project as it enters full construction. He brings a wealth of experience to the role, having previously acted as Programme Director and Board Member at Crossrail. Andy's career has seen him work on high-profile projects both in the UK and overseas. After 12 years working in the UAE, France and South Africa, and on major developments such as Hong Kong Airport and the Hong Kong West Rail, he joined Network Rail in 2001. He was Programme Director for Network Rail's Southern Power Upgrade project and was also the major Programme Director of the Thameslink programme. Andy is a Fellow of the Institute of Civil Engineers, a Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, former Chair of the Infrastructure Industry Innovation Platform and the Infrastructure Client Group. And since 2018, he has been Co-Chair of the Construction Leadership Council. Andy has also been awarded the CBE for his services to civil engineering. So without further ado, welcome to the Engineers Collective, Andy. It's a pleasure to have you with us. For, for anyone out there who, who isn't familiar with Tideway, could you give us a, a brief overview of the project and what it's delivering and why it's so desperately needed? Okay. So the Tideway project is the last component of a, 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 a cleanup program for the whole river. It started with uh, the upgrade of various sewage treatment works uh, along the tidal and, and indeed non-tidal Thames, uh, and then we saw the lead tunnel, uh, which was commissioned uh, a few years ago, and the final component is the Tideway Tunnel. Uh, and our job is to build a uh, a new uh, sewer um, tunnel underneath the river. It follows the line of the river from Hammersmith uh, down to, to Wapping. Um, and it uh, um, sort of zigzags from North Bank to South Bank um, because uh, it... Um, it, uh, we, we go to the, uh, a number of the spill points uh, that there are on the river. Uh, we don't go to all of them, but the ones that we don't go to are effectively being isolated because of what we're doing. Um, and we're intercepting the, the sewage uh, that in a, um, a normal year could be in the region of 30 to 40 million tonnes of raw uh, untreated sewage that spills into the river now. And that's what, that's what goes on when it rains at the moment. Uh, so we intercept those, uh, drop uh, the sewage down shafts that get increasingly deep um, into our main tunnel. That tunnel goes down to join the lead tunnel, which then takes it all to Becton Sewage Treatment Works. Um, and um, when we've finished, we'll have reduced the volume uh, of spills that currently go into the river by about 96%. Uh, that's total volume, but uh, because of the fact that we intercept the very first flush uh, of sewage that would normally spill into the river uh, before the, what's in the sewers get, gets diluted because it's been raining a lot. So, so uh, volume-wise, 96% reduction, but probably uh, sewage-wise, probably 98, 99%. Uh, and what uh, spills once our tunnel is is full up is is way more diluted anyway. So it's a fundamental change uh, to what we currently do to the river. Um, and our and our view is that um, when we've commissioned and we're fully up and running, the river will 
probably be cleaner than it's been in 250 years, which is a big deal. Um, so we, you know, we we talk about our challenge being to build a um, to build a sewer uh, and intercept the sewage. But actually, we, we, we talk about a bigger vision, which is one of reconnecting London and, and Londoners with the River Thames and actually trying to effect a change in the relationship uh, of the people in London with the river, because the river will be fundamentally different to anything that uh, uh, you know, a, a London population has ever known. So it's going to be a clean river in a way that um, nobody will ever have remembered before. Fantastic. Um... How, how are things on the project are we, as we stand right now? Are our sites operating back at full capacity as you would expect following the COVID-19 restrictions or, or are there still some, some restrictions in place at the moment? Well, it, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, like, like many sites uh, or many projects, we, we shut down almost completely in the very early days and weeks uh, of, of the pandemic. But... Um, we had about 1,800 people on site um, pre-COVID. We've got about a workforce. Uh, we've got about 1,700 back on site. So all sites are up and running. Most works are carrying on. We're seeing varying degrees of um, productivity. Um, and curiously, uh, and, and, I, and I know we're not the only project to have seen this, we're seeing some cases where the production is higher than it was pre-COVID. Uh, and I think there's some interesting thoughts as to why that's the case. So we're, we're at it. I mean, uh, I suppose on, on the highlights last week, our westernmost tunnelling machine had the most productive week that any tunnelling machine has had on Tideway throughout the, the, the four years. Um, so a little bit of a mixed bag, um, but I'm pleased to say that the, the big critical path items, the, the, the tunnelling, um, is back up and running. Um, and, uh, and I think we're well placed to deal with whatever comes next. Of course, what none of us know is what, what is going to come next. But um, I think we're in as good a place as we could be. Yeah. Uh, just picking you up on that increase in productivity, what, what sort of early, early thoughts do you think is driving that? And what, what sort of things are seeing an increase in productivity you know i i think it's a range of things i mean from the very beginning uh at the very onset of all of this we agreed with the contractors that we would keep paying people regardless of whether they uh, turned up or not regardless of whether they could work or not we 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 knew that the government would be putting out the you know the furlough scheme the job retention scheme but that uh, there were no details and uh and and clearly uh, therefore, no ability for people to 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 get paid, and um, you know we've put uh, a lot of store in in how we go about uh, life on our sites, uh, how we care about people's uh, uh, health, safety, and well-being, both physically and mentally. And you know, and we've run a program now or a campaign for a couple of years, saying you know I'm in your corner. And it just seemed to us completely at odds with that to say, on the one hand, I'm in your corner, and then the moment you really, really need us, I'm not anymore. And it and it didn't, it just didn't fit with how how we go about things. So we did say from the very beginning we will keep paying people um, whether you come in or not. And and I actually think that 
it, it did mean that we we pretty much the workforce stopped turning up almost immediately. But you've got to, rather than look at that in a cynical way, you've got to go back to the very beginning of this, where a lot of people were scared. Uh, people didn't really know what's going on, didn't know what they were supposed to do. Um, certainly concerned about being paid, and again, it just didn't. It wasn't right to put people through that kind of thing. So. So we did that, and and you know we're we're now back up and running, and 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 um, we know uh, you know I've been out on a number of sites, and a very consistent set of comments of look, we know what you did, and we really appreciate that, and and we want to you know show our thanks, and so there's a bit of that. Um, I, I think people also having spent you know four, six, eight weeks not working um, had had enough of that. They'd done all the cooking and DIY and everything else they could do and, and they're just happy to be back uh, and I think that's part of that but interestingly another thing that people have said is that um, they so so we have all the social distancing and, and, and the sort of one-way walking routes around site and, and all the um, you know risk assessed measures of, of face coverings or masks or, or whatever we're doing um, all of which have been agreed with the workforce um, and, and, and there are slightly different practices on different sites, and I'm okay with that because the, the, the workforce themselves have decided what they, they find acceptable, and, and, and we've supported that. Um, and again, I've heard people say that they recognize that they're safer on our sites than they would be in the high street. And, and actually, that's, no, that's not uh, dissimilar to where we are on, on physical safety and that, you know... It, a, a trip uh, and, and a, an accident that could happen on a pavement on on the street, um, uh, I think, is statistically more rare on our sites than it would be out there. So it shouldn't come as a surprise. But a lot of that's down to the, you know, the daily uh, discussions, that the the site you know, kickoff briefings in the morning. What are we going to do? How does this work? And and we police ourselves. You know, the, the culture is we all have a right to stop someone else from doing something if they don't like the look of it or if it's worrying us. And and the guys do that themselves. So when they catch someone not socially distancing in the way that they all agreed, it's OK to say, well, we'll you know, back off. That That's not what we said in a way that you wouldn't do on a high street. If you went down a high street you know, having a word with everyone that got too close to you, you wouldn't get very far. So so. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons why um, what we're seeing is uh, is uh, all the people on our sites actually very happy to be there, happy to be getting on with it. Um, and all up, I think that takes us to a point where we are seeing, as I say, in, in, in a number of cases, um, production that's quite simply safe and better than it was. So... Who knows? Uh, I think it, it's, it's too early to draw any firm conclusions, but um, I, I've got to say I'm very pleased and proud of what I'm seeing. And long may it continue. Um, just one last COVID-19 question, as it's sort of the unavoidable topic at the moment. But um, in, in Tideway's annual report, which was recently released, it quite sensibly points out that the impact of COVID is not fully known yet. Um, however, it does concede that there, there could be a, a quite significant cost impact and a, a very slight delay to the project opening. Um, I was just wondering what the biggest impact you think COVID, uh, of COVID will be right now and also moving forward in a post-COVID world. Do you think we'll see any, any big changes as a result of, of this period of time? Well, uh, I mean, so far, what, what have we had? We, we, we've had an almost complete shutdown. 
Um, we've had the time it took to take stock and do our safe planning and get up and running. And uh, so that that's kind of six, eight weeks uh, with, with pretty much total loss of production one way or the other. So, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a couple of months uh, of time impact. Um, as I say, we, we're seeing production in some cases higher, but some cases lower. So I think we're going to see a, a tail of, of um, time impact one way or the other. Um, perhaps not so much on the on the simple things like the the the, the tunneling because that's a, a steady state thing, and once you've figured out how to do it well and safely, you you can keep on going. But some some of the changes and the interfaces and things, I, I think, are inevitably going to be affected. So, you know, you, you you can see two to three months easily coming out of what's just gone on, and the bit we don't know for sure is what happens in the future. Um, and we've always said that you know, we could imagine a what we called a, a single dip, a double dip, or even a treble dip um, scenario. And so, yes, there's bound to be a time impact. And obviously, if if the job takes longer, then it's going to cost more. Um, you know, we said in our annual report that um, you know we we've made um, good progress. As I say, I'm, I'm very pleased with how we've dealt with this. But um, it really does depend on um, whether what we see now is a progressive betterment, um, which is one way of looking at it. But equally, we could see, uh, you know, I, th I think that a lot of people can understand and imagine a, a winter um, that's a lot worse. Um, and that could take us backwards again. And um, with with my construction leadership council hat on one of the things that we're talking about now is how do we prepare for a probable bad winter and what can we do to make sure it doesn't fall apart like it did at the very beginning of this and um and of course it's speculation but but you've got to believe that we're better placed now than we were back in march so so we, we've said, look, our half yearly results um, uh, are out in October and, and we'll, we'll provide an update as best we can then. Um, but clearly still with not knowing what's going to happen over the winter. So um, could go a number of ways, progressively better from here or, or, or not. Of course. And uh, obviously COVID is very the unknown. What we do know is what's taken place over the last year. And the report mentions a whole host of milestones that have, that have been ticked off uh, over the last few months and the last year. Um, could you talk us through one or two of those and, and pick out your personal highlights for, for what's been achieved on Tideway in the last, the last year? Yeah, you know, it's a real toughie that because we've had so many uh, big things. I mean, okay, it's a tunneling job. So every time you launch a machine, that's a, that's a big celebration. Every time you finish one, it's an even bigger celebration. So, um, you know, getting our second machine that went from uh, Battersea up to Hammersmith, getting that one to the end of its destination was big. Um, just uh, 10 days ago, our, our Frogmore Connection Tunnel, which is one of the tributary tunnels, it arrived at the same shaft um, and, and finished and broke through. Um, so, you know, so those uh, th those stand out. But then you, you've got some really huge uh, um, and different engineering challenges as well. The the cul the floating culvert that we have at Blackfriars. So this is part of ultimately the culvert that connects to the river wall that captures the spills and, t and channels it to the 
the the shaft that was built in a in a coffer dam that we built in the river and the and the intention is to flood that coffer dam float the culvert out um float it into position sink it uh, up against the wall seal the coffer dam and then go and build uh, the connection bit in in situ where that floating thing was um that uh we we're we're, float, we're flooding that coffer dam in the next day or two and that you know that that's a that's a that's a really cool thing i say to a lot of the engineers on blackfriars you 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 guys don't know you're living that you you are doing some really cool engineering slap bang in the middle of central london so so that's exciting obviously we had the the big drama um just over the uh at the back end of last week and over the weekend of our last tunneling machine selena arrive on a on a big jack up barge you might have seen that um, that on social media uh really visible uh you know spectacular piece of big, big engineering and and selena's now um or oh, she was in the shed she came out yesterday but she's back in the shed again she'll be going down the hole uh or down the shaft very shortly now um so you know th- th- there's a lot uh we've had our first vortex tubes the the tubes that we when we when we take the sewage to the shaft, you quite often you know you've got in the case of Blackfriars, you've got um, thirty tons a second dropping fifty meters. There's some huge amounts of force and energy uh, to be dealt with, and we deal with that by uh, shooting the the sewage into a effectively a vortex generator, which spins it down, taking some of the energy out. And the first of those pr- um, welded. Um, ready-made um, vortex tubes arrived um, uh, at Hammersmith just a few weeks ago. So, I mean, the milestones just keep coming. There's pretty much everywhere you look, there's there's big stuff going on. It's a, it's, it's just a fascinating project. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And uh, just changing tack slightly, I wanted to talk about uh, EPIC and the wellbeing initiatives that Tideway has introduced and, and quite rightly received a lot of praise for. Um, for any of our listeners who are who are unfamiliar, could you give us a brief overview of what the EPIC program is and, and what it entails? So we said at the very beginning that we wanted not just to do a bit better than uh, you know the big projects that had gone before us. We wanted to do uh, fundamentally better, step change better in in terms of our health, safety, and well being performance. And and we therefore set up EPIC. Um, which is a, a one-day induction process. You cannot work um, on uh, on our sites without having done it, um, which in the early days was seen as a as a bit of a um, you can't be serious. What if I if I've got to go and change the filters on a crane? I've got to spend a whole day doing a a, a course before. And we said, well, yeah, basically that that's how it works. And so it's a it's a it's an actor-based um, simulation. Uh, it starts. Um, I won't say too much because for the people that haven't been on it, uh, it's it's all quite a sort of a, a surprise. But um, it starts in a in a works canteen type context, and most well, pretty much everyone thinks that's just the start of the day. They're having a cuppa before they start the course, but the, the action starts while they're sat there, and it takes people through. Um, you know, a very recognisable sequence of events where ultimately something goes wrong. Um, it then takes people into uh, um, scenarios that follow on from that uh, in terms of interviews, in terms of uh, having a very, very touching, um, harrowing, actually, um, witness of of 
Oh, I'm giving too much away. Um, a, a, a real the, the the 20 years on the repercussions of a really bad accident and what that means to people and and you can't uh, go through that course and not be touched by it and 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 it's all part of the and that's it's all part of saying we we give ourselves permission to to stop each other and to say that we don't you know I'm not comfortable with this I I, I something not right please explain to me it it's all part of giving ourselves permission to um be honest with each other and 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 the thing that um so I, I, either me or one of my senior team does a sort of lunchtime talk and explains to to everyone on the course what what where we're coming from and what this is all about and um and and it, it it's a it's a genuine attempt it's a very human interaction uh vast majority of people at the end of the day say they've never been on uh, anything like it and and what i say at the the lunch point is that the thing that you know is that every single person you see on site has gone through this experience today and and we'll know what you mean when you say well what's epic about that and and it and it's the start of a conversation you're not going to change behaviors through one day of anything no matter how brilliant it is but it is just the start and we continue that process on on site and uh we actually do epic refreshers so the actors turn up on site and play out a sort of a, de a development of that so we, we we keep it live and 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 we start that that uh you know part of the backdrop of the epic day is is doing things the right way and you know we have the right way awards um which are a monthly quarterly annual thing um so it is part of a total uh it's the start uh, of a of a different but consistent approach um that makes a difference yeah and, and like you said you you give talks during those epic days um from a, from a personal point of view how how difficult is that to stand up and sort of speak to your colleagues in that that sort of setting and um what what why do you do it and what do you get out of it and what what do the the colleagues that you're you're talking to get out of it as well well you know i, I think most people recognize that you know culture uh positive culture or or negative pressure to you know get the work done and you know crack on uh you know expression i would ban if i ever could um comes from the top uh and i think it's important therefore that it doesn't matter who you are you're working on tideway and there's a message from the very very top and something i say is yes this is an important job and we explain what the project is and and why it's exciting but uh, but uh, uh, when i do that i say but there is nothing nothing you're going to be asked to do that is as important as you getting home safely and and we must not let this crack on pressure this this let's get stuff done pressure um get in the way of us going home safely and and it's really important i think that people hear that from the very very top for sure but where do you see uh, epic growing in the future can you see it being rolled out on more projects project um becoming almost mandatory for projects of certain sizes or maybe not epic but something similar to to epic well you know i i think it's for it's for every uh, client and every project to to make their own decisions but um we've had now uh, over 20,000 people go through epic um and there's only 3,000 of us working on the job <laughs> um we you know we we have uh, 
very intentionally welcomed many, many other clients and companies to, to come onto Epic and see what they can take from it and what, what, what could their interpretation or manifestation of that be. Uh, Heathrow, um, obviously a, a different project to what people were talking about a year ago, but Heathrow set up their own version of Epic. Um, you know, we, we've had pretty much every major client, um, or a lot of the major clients anyway, go, go on to Epic, and we've uh, we've done everything we can to encourage um, people to see to see it in 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 the way we see it. Um, so I, I hope so. It's not you know it's not something we're we're, we're franchising. You know we're, we're we're a pop up company if you like that if you want to put it that way. We're not going to be around in the future. So it is up to others to pick it up. But but I uh, I think the good thing is most people know of it. Um, and I, and I guess one of the things that we understood we were doing was setting a bar. And uh, and if nothing else. As, as, as we've said, ne never again will it be possible to say you can't do this. You can't make a difference to these traditional early spikes of accidents in projects. We've we've pretty much avoided that. Um, so we've changed things, and clearly the challenge for for future projects is well, how can you not at least do that? So I, I don't I don't think it's a, legisla a legislated thing, but I do think. People will have to answer. Well, if you're not going to do that, what are you going to do? This has been proven to be possible. So, we, we we've certainly we're leaving a mark, and you know, and so far so good. We we need to get to the end of the job um, uh, in 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 as good a shape, and and then I hope people can draw their own conclusions. So so the main just so I'm perfectly clear and the listeners are clear are the, are the main benefits from it a reduction in workplace accidents or does it touch on sort of mental health aspects as well and improving that in the industry obviously that's a massive topic um within the construction industry as well Oh I mean I th you you can't look at any of these in isolation I think it's all part of the same story if if you if you're if what you're really saying is uh I genuinely care about you my, my colleague, the person standing next to me, uh, I genuinely care about your safety. Well, then I have to genuinely care about your well-being. If you think of your family, you don't care. Of, you care about them holistically as people. You don't just worry about whether they break a finger or a leg or something. So it's part of a, uh, a culture. It's part of a broader piece. Um, you know, and what we've, what we've done, I think, starting with Epic, is we've then wrapped all these other things around that, and you know, we work very closely with Mates in Minds. We've got 170 uh, mental health first aiders on the project at, at all levels of the company. I, you know, I'm one. Um, there's a lot of uh, people in the workforce who are mental health first aiders, and we, I think, we've we're, we're making good progress in terms of talking about mental health, which you know, as as we know. You know, this is still a broadly male um, workforce that we're talking about, and we, as we know, men aren't um, are particularly not very good at talking about mental health. And I think we're making progress there. So, it, it it's part of a, a total piece. Um, and you know, I think what we have done is set ourselves quite a high bar in terms of our approach to physical safety and the whole epic thing. And what it's forced us to do is say, okay, well, what's the equivalent now? In, in 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 let's say mental health, which is why so many of us are mental health first aiders. You know, it's, it's a two-day course, and it's not it's not there to turn you into 
being being a you know a psychologist far far from it but it is there to help you understand how you might be able to help someone or, or point them in the right direction so it, it it's part of a bigger um it's part of the overall approach and you know it's part of the right way it's part of tideway um is is the sort of way we put it and i assume that way of thinking is as um massively influenced the decisions you've taken in the current sort of COVID-19 pandemic with all the anxieties that may surround that and workers being worried about coming to site and you mentioned earlier how you sort of gave them the option to come or not come and I assume that's come into your thinking quite a lot has it? Very much it's all, it's all part of it I mean you either mean this or you don't you know it, it, it you know, let's be honest pretty much everyone stands up and says safety is a priority and all that kind of stuff well yeah but do you mean it uh, and what I what I hope we're showing is yes we do brilliant spot on um I, I think that's about all we've got time for Andy so um I just like to thank you for for coming on the show and and giving our listeners an insight into the way uh Tideway works um and be- best of luck with the coming months and the and the project ahead uh, thank you thanks thanks very much for your interest we're you know we're loving what we're doing uh we're very proud of what we're doing and and we know the impact that we will have and and you know we do have that that vision piece of we genuinely want to see a changed relationship um between the uh, the people of london and their river and it it i think that's another reason why people are back at work because fundamentally we all get it and we all we all love what we're doing so we'll keep on doing it let's hope uh that that goes um as well as it can um but good no thank you for your interest um and hopefully speak to you soon sometime definitely cheers andy the engineers collective is powered by bentley systems with digital technology changing the way the world lives it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our digital assessments work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace of possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going digital.